Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you. If you could turn in your Bibles to that uh, Matthew passage that Abigail just read uh, for us, that's what we'll be looking at today. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the chairs all throughout the room, and Matthew 4 is on page 1216, page 1216. Um, Does anyone like to play those uh, strategy board games or card games or deck building games? Who likes likes doing that, yeah? Um, My family likes doing that from time to time. My older kids have have started to get uh, involved in that and enjoy that, and uh, I was thinking about one time, though, earlier in uh, my wife Bonnie and my marriage when we were playing um, one of these strategy games, and, and Bonnie has a clear strategy whenever there's a, a game that involves building something. Her strategy is if there are points for the longest something, that's what she's going for. Longest road, longest train track, longest streak of whatever, that's what she's going for. That's her strategy. Um, and so I thought it would be a fun strategy, you know, sometime or right at the end of the game to kind of swoop in and steal the longest road and get th- those points from her. I thought, this is a great strategy for the game. Turns out it wasn't a great strategy for life <laughs> or marriage, um, and uh, she, she didn't really enjoy that very much. Um, and so uh, I, I didn't realize, you know, Jesus says, what profit is it if you, if you gain the longest road, but you lose your ability to sleep in the same bed as your spouse that night? You know, that's not of, of much profit. Um, I did ask Bonnie if it's okay if I shared this story, and she's like, yeah, because you're Satan in this metaphor, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's how this applies? Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So... Um, I have a new strategy now. It, it's a strategy of realizing a lot more is at stake than just the game being played. There's uh, more uh, to win than, than just that. Um, I want to look at 
the strategy of this passage as the devil comes to tempt Jesus. I want to look at Satan's strategy here because there's a lot at stake here as well. There's a lot at stake when Jesus goes into the wilderness. Our very life and salvation is at stake. But there's a lot at stake as well for us in our lives. Our very relationship and trust in God the Father. And the devil absolutely has a strategy for trying to divide us from God. For trying to break our trust in God. And his strategy is slander. Satan's strategy is slander. But Jesus has a strategy too. Jesus' tactic is trust. Now, obviously, my strategy is alliteration, making all of these words start with the same letter. So Satan's strategy is slander. Jesus' tactic is trust. And my prayer for us this morning is that we would feel the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to reject that slander from the evil one and to place our trust in the Father and his love for us. So let's look at the way this uh, strategy plays out. First, uh, let's look back in this first passage we read from Genesis. We'll just flip there for just a second. Notice what uh, Satan does when he comes to tempt Adam and Eve. He starts by saying, did God really say He's going to turn a truth from God into a question. And then he's going to quote God and get it just a little bit wrong. Just a little bit wrong. Did God really say this? Eve answers, and then look in verse 4. Satan goes, oh, you won't certainly die. No. What God said isn't quite true. It's not quite true. He contradicts God. First he questions, then he contradicts. And then in verse 5, the devil goes, God knows. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What's the implicit message here that Satan's telling to Adam and Eve? God's keeping something from you. God didn't tell you everything. He's withholding something. He doesn't want what's best for you. He might not even know what's best for you. Moments before, God created Adam and Eve, placed them in a garden where they had everything they needed. But Satan comes up and goes, but did he really? Does he really have what's best in mind? Does he really know? Is he really strong enough? He sows those seeds of slander. Now turn to Matthew 4, and we'll spend the rest of our time here. This is the same thing he does with Jesus in the wilderness. The exact same strategy. Verse 3, what does the tempter say? The tempter comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God. If. And what did God just say to Jesus? Go up just a few verses. The very end of chapter 3, the very last verse, the voice from heaven says, the voice of God the Father, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And the very next thing that the tempter does is goes, are you? Did he? You sure? I mean, maybe. Satan loves to turn God's truth into an open question. 
God is love. Is he? Haven't we experienced that? He does this very same thing again in verse 6. If you are the son of God. That later in verse 6 he says, throw yourself down. Throw yourself off the tower. God said he would save you. It's an open question, right? Will he? Is God strong enough to save you if you do that? Would he want to? Does he really love you? Every one of these temptations. Um, the, the third temptation he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you bow down to me, I'll give them to you now. He's saying, you won't have to suffer on the cross and die. You won't have to go through all of that pain if you do it my way. Why would God want you to do it the hard way? Maybe he doesn't really care about you. Maybe he just doesn't have the authority to give it to you now like I do. Every one of these temptations is an insinuation, it's an accusation that God the Father is not trustworthy, that he's hiding something, or that he's not powerful enough, and that in response, we probably need to take care of ourselves. We might be on our own. The devil says, maybe, if. In this passage, there's a few different names given to Satan, in verse 3, he's called the tempter, the one who's trying to get us to fail and to stumble. Um, later on, Jesus calls him Satan, which is the, the opposition, the one who's standing in the way of God, who's opposing. But most often, he's called the devil, which in the original language this is written in, Greek, is diabolos. Do you know what that means? It means the slanderer. It means the one who brings false accusations against somebody. Slander here is just like we normally think about it. It's someone making an untrue statement or, or, or taking something true but twisting it enough so it's, it's not fully true and, and making that statement against a person so that that person's reputation is ruined. And the goal in that is not just a, a ruined reputation, it's ruined relationship so that everyone around that person who's been slandered can't trust them anymore. That's what slander does. This person did this horrible thing, and now we're all going to take a step away. We don't know if we can trust them. The goal of Satan, the purpose of his slander, he is the slanderer, is so that we won't trust God. so that our relationship with the Lord will be divided and broken. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 8. He's talking about the devil and, and what the devil does, and he says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. He is the father of lies, or the, the fountain of the one all the lies have come from. There wouldn't be lies if not for the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. I was reading uh, uh, a book the other, uh, a few months ago by author Louise Penny, and in the plot of this kind of mystery, um, there's someone who's, there's a public campaign to tarnish their, their reputation. So she says this, 
um, as she's writing about that. Rumors are hard to prove, but they're even harder to disprove. We both know that character assassination is easy. All it takes is a suggestion, a well-placed word in someone's ear, like a bullet to the brain, murdering a man's reputation. Satan is on a millennial-long marketing campaign to destroy the reputation of the Father, to divide us from our relationship with him, to erode our trust in him, so that when we think about the love of the Father, we go, but does he love me? And when we think about the provision of the Father, we go, but will he provide for me? And when we think about the plan of salvation of the Father, we go, but, but will he save me? Look at the three lies from this Matthew 4 passage. What parts of God's character does the devil attack? Temptation number one, turn this stone into bread. You're hungry, and if you want food, you're going to have to take care of yourself. You're going to have to solve this problem on your own. God hasn't provided for you. Maybe he won't. Maybe he's not strong enough. Maybe he doesn't care enough. This temptation to meet our own needs in our own way at our own time, which is usually now, because we don't trust that God is going to. Look at the second temptation. Throw yourself off the tower. Is God really a father who will protect you? Are you really his son? Is he really going to save you? Is he really able to? No, you, you need to prove who you are. You, you need to prove it yourself. You need to show your own worth, show your own identity by doing something. You are the one who has to take action now. Temptation number three, bow down and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Is God's plan really best? Do you really have to suffer and die on the cross to save everyone? Does, does he really have the authority to give you the kingdoms? Isn't there an easier way? Why is God's way so hard? It doesn't have to be. It's the temptation to take a shortcut to avoid pain and suffering. How often do we do whatever we can to avoid pain and suffering? How is that working for us? The temptation to believe that if God loved me, he wouldn't make it so hard. Notice Jesus' responses every time. His tactic is to trust. He trusts in the God of the Bible. He trusts in the word of the Lord. He trusts enough to wait on the Lord. Here's an example from the second one. Um, the devil, the slanderer, actually quotes scripture, which is, um, slandering 101, you, you, you quote the person you're slandering, right? But you quote it out of context and you turn it on its head. So he quotes God <laughs> and he says, he'll command his angels concerning over you. The devil uses scriptures, with his, which is true, but applies it in a way that makes it untrue. Um, Anglican theologian G.I. Packer um, once said, a half-truth 
masquerading as a whole truth becomes a complete untruth. Isn't that good? A half-truth masquerading as a whole truth becomes an untruth. Um, just because someone quotes the Bible, whether it's a friend, a family member, a pastor, or a politician, doesn't mean <laughs> that they are speaking truth. Okay? There are plenty of people who've quoted Scripture in order to erode our trust in God or to try to build an unhealthy trust in them. Politicians do this all the time in America. They quote a Bible passage and expect us to line up at the polls to vote for them, and we often do. But, but Jesus has a discernment here of what Satan is doing. He, he, can, he can discern the difference between speaking Scripture and submitting to Scripture. He can discern the difference between saying a scripture passage and spending your life trying to obey the God of that passage. What the devil says actually halfway comes true. He says God will send his angels over to you. How did this reading end? Who comes? Angels. That fulfilled the passage. But Jesus has the discernment to go, but he doesn't send angels because I tell him to, <laughs> right? He sends the angels to care at his time, at his place, in his way. That's submitting to Scripture. So often when we use Scripture um, for other things, uh, we're doing it to try to control God instead of to try to obey God. So Jesus here says, um, no, I'm not going to make God send angels to save me. I'm going to trust that he will if I need to. Does that make sense? With each temptation, Jesus' tactic is not to act rashly, not to believe the slander, but to trust in God as revealed in Scripture because he knows the Father through the Word. And so in all three of these instances, trusting equals waiting. Do you see that? Trust equals waiting. I like to think of, of waiting in kind of a, a physical analogy. Um, how many of you all did any sit-ups this week when you were exercising? Anybody? Um, when you do sit-ups, you know, you, you do them kind of quick up and down, up and down, you can do however many you can do, um, right? And, and eventually you start to feel a little bit of a burn, you know, after two or three or however many. Um, but have you ever tried to do like a plank on your elbows and just hold your body straight and tense your, your, your muscles and, and about three seconds in, you start to shake, right? It's like almost immediate, and it takes way more core muscle and engagement to stay still than to do all of those back and forths, up and downs, right? That's trusting. It's the same as trusting the Lord spiritually and waiting. It takes way more spiritual strength 
to wait than to do all the back and forth of trying to do it ourselves. And so the devil says, you're hungry. Make the rock bread. And Jesus goes, I'll wait. It's like, no, throw yourself off the building now. Jesus, uh, God will save you now. And Jesus is like, I'll wait. Here's all the kingdoms. You could, you could have them all now. I'll wait. The Father will provide for me. The Father will protect me. The Father will bring me on the road to salvation. I trust him. I don't have to hurry. I don't have to rush. I can wait. Isn't that amazing? How often do we feel so impacted by the circumstances around us that we feel like we have to act now? We have to make it happen now. And Satan is ready in every one of those circumstances to go, how about here? How about make it happen this way? How about do this? God won't, God won't do it. Just, just take this road. With each temptation, Jesus' tactic is to trust. And the slander has attacked the most beautiful, the most true parts of who God is. His love for us, his care for us, our identity as his adopted children, his plan of salvation. But those things are so, worked so deeply into who Jesus is that no matter what the circumstances around him, no matter what the slander coming from the slanderer, he can trust and he can wait. How often do these lies get deep into our hearts and cause us to doubt the Father? Aren't some of these lies so deep in us? When we think we have a need, we provide for ourselves. When we suffer, God must not love me. When things take longer than we want to, then we better take things into our own hands. And when we live out of these lies and half-truths, we live as if there is no God in our world. So we talked about on Wednesday the godless myths, the, the, the ways of living that are not with God. When, when we believe these lies, we live as if there is no God in our world, or not the God of the Bible anyway. And it, it's not always easy to see when we're living like this. It's because they're not just obvious behaviors. You know, Jesus doesn't go up to, or the, Satan doesn't go up to Jesus and say, like, here, here's a person, hit them in the face, you know? He's dealing at a deep, foundational, motivational level. And that's how he comes to us. There are so many steps of slandering the goodness of God and us living out of lies before we get to those behaviors where we go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I got here. Not trusting God's timing leads to impatience, anxiety, maybe being really, really driven. And that, in that place of anxious and drivenness, I may be more concerned with my plan and what I think I have to do to take care of me and to make something happen. I may be way more in touch with that than the people around me. 
I, I may not be very attentive to them. I, I may not see their needs. I, I might even ignore them or maybe even be harsh in how I speak to them and not even realize it and miss chances to care and love them. And, and now I'm going through weeks and days where I'm actually sinning against others by what I've done and what I haven't done and I don't even know it because all that's there is this lie that, that makes me think I have to do it on my own. We come to church and how do, we don't know how to confess that. It takes wilderness. It takes wilderness to unearth these lies in us that keep us from trusting the Father. It takes time and fasting and prayer and silence and scriptures and worship. It takes being with the Father, coming out of all of the godless myths around us and into the worship of the Lord for him to go, here's who I am. I am your shepherd. You don't have to figure this out on your own. For him to point to those lies and allow us to confess them as sin and bring that healing deep, deep in us. We so easily take the word of the serpent, a stranger, a slanderer over the word of the Father. We so quickly put our faith in our doubts with so little evidence that our doubts are true, sometimes much less evidence that our doubts are true than that our faith is. Why do we trust the serpent just because he tells us we can't trust the Father? To believe in faith takes a lot. Somehow, it's much easier to believe in doubt. I think it's easy to believe the worst about God because it confirms our worst fears and anxieties because we've seen other people who've let us down like we're afraid of him letting us down, because we don't trust ourselves. It's easy to believe in godless myths instead of God when we haven't been with God. It's just like that uncle that you get into an argument with on Facebook because you haven't seen him in person in a long time. But we don't have to believe everything we hear or even everything we think. We can put our temptations to the test. We can test those testings. We can put our doubts on trial with the word of God. We can accuse the accuser of God. We can tell stories of the goodness of God in scripture and in the generations of our family and in our lives. And we can doubt our doubts with as much energy as we doubt our faith. The slanderer, he has a tactic. He wants to erode our trust in God. But that in itself is proof of God's love. The slanderer comes to us and says, God doesn't love you. But Satan's the one who doesn't love us. He's just using us in his vendetta to overthrow God and destroy everything that God loves. And the fact that in order to destroy everything God loves, Satan comes to you and me to attack us, that proves how dear we are to the Lord. And that is why the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. 
That is why the Spirit leaves Jesus into the wilderness, so that he can face the temptation that we never could. Adam and Eve give in to temptation, just like you and I do. And they're cast out of the garden into the wilderness. And so Jesus goes into the wilderness to face temptation so that we can be back in the garden of God's presence. The people of Israel spend 40 years in the wilderness because they can't obey God. So Jesus goes for 40 days into the wilderness and obeys God so that we can go into the promised land of God's presence. Jesus faces all temptations that are common to you and are common to me. And he trusts the Father so that we when we face the slander of the enemy, can trust the Father. An early church writer said, Jesus in the wilderness, he's not hungry for food. He's hungry for the salvation of all people. That is why he's there. He's there so we don't get separated from the Father who loves us. He's there so we can come back to the Father who loves us. spend just a couple moments of silence, and I want to give you a minute in the wilderness to begin these 40 days of wilderness for you. I invite you to just um, pray. Maybe you need to just sit in a comfortable position, close your eyes, calm your bodies. And if you want to, you can ask the Father, show me what lies I'm struggling with. Show me what slander from the enemy I've, I've believed. We all have these. Just ask the Lord to show you a, a way that You've been divided from him. Your trust in him has been broken. And then ask the word, ask the Lord to give you a word from scripture or a word directly from him that would help rebuild your trust. I'll give you just a few moments of silence. And if nothing comes to mind right now, that's okay. This isn't exercise you can do this week and in the next weeks ahead. So, Father, come and show us the lies we've believed. Unearth them from our hearts with the truth of who you are. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.